Well, welcome along. What we're going to be looking at and I guess um, considering this week is actually how we can be of better service to children. Now, of course, this would um, make sense if you don't have any children that you think, well, I need to skip this uh, section and wait for next week's um, section. And I want to encourage you to stop there and actually start to recognise the fact that there's plenty of children on the planet that uh, are going to be requiring um, some level of service and so it might be nieces and nephews that you conjure up, it might be friends' children, it might be just children in general, children on the street, children in orphanages, children everywhere. Because when we're um, a couple and we're in business and we start to look at how we're serving ourselves then we want to expand from that viewpoint as I mentioned last week and start to think about you know the future. What's the future going to look like in general and to me it just made sense you know that uh, for me the future was the children that are going to be coming through um, and and looking after us when we're old and so if we're not investing in the children that are going to come through then how could we ever imagine that we're going to be looked after when we're old and what do I mean by looked after I don't necessarily mean looked after in terms of financially I mean in terms of it's their planet that they're going to inherit and what am I doing to instill core values and disciplines and behaviours and beliefs and identity into the children that might impact just one child to go on that is going to be a, a, of great contribution. And so really when you start to expand this viewpoint and you look generationally, what's going to happen generationally from you? What could you contribute to the little people that are around you. Who are you going to be in their eyes? And so take yourself back to when you were a child. When you were a child, who were the most impressive adults? Who were the people that inspired you to be the best you that you could be? What were the traits that, uh, that really um, developed you to be who you are? And you know, Kent and I sat and talked about this um, a couple of years ago over dinner. And there was a couple of parents that were friends of our parents individually. Obviously, we grew up in totally different countries, in totally different cultures, different environments. But we both had um, friends' parents that made their house an absolute hub. And in that is that they created an incredible amount of uh, stable community. And it was always safe to go to that person's house at any time in the day and night and be completely accepted for who you were. You could tell whatever stories you wanted to tell, you could share whatever fears that you had, you could genuinely just um, be heard from a point that you knew that they were adults and that they were, you know, they were going to give you good feedback, but there was no judgment. And so therefore it was a great place for kids to be able to gather around and, uh, and want to be at their house. And it was really interesting that I visited that house again just this weekend and, um, and how at home I felt as I was taking you know, my new baby up to introduce them to these um, parents and how excited they were for me, genuinely excited about you know, the fact that my family was growing and the success that I was having. And you know, I spent a lot of time actually talking to my friend's parents at this party that you know, there was a lot of young people there as well. And I just realised that, you know, as a child, what did they actually do for me? What was the important or integral things that they provided for me? And first things first, they provided an environment where it was okay 
for me just to be me. So if I was a kid, I could be a kid, all right? They didn't expect me to be an adult. They expected me to think like a kid and act like a kid. And so there were always heaps of games. There was always, you know, like encouragement to get outside and throw a ball, to get outside and practice netball, to, um, to go and read a book. Um, you know, it was quiet time from 7.30 p.m. So if we were staying there, that was the parents' time and you go into the children's area, whether it be bedrooms or rumpus rooms or downstairs or whatever, you just, you know, you get out of, out of the adult space from 7.30 p.m. So they taught me discipline. They taught me the example of, um, you know, running a household that was a community-based household and always being abundant with um, the resources in their house. Um, so what would that mean? Well, literally I might turn up from there um, unexpected. There was always a meal that was um, readily available for me, snacks in the fridge. There was uh, the ability for me to just be able to ring my parents and say, actually I've been invited to stay, so I'm just going to stay here. So there were clean clothes that were given to me, pyjamas, um, you know, underwear, clothes for the next day when they dropped me home again. You know, just a, a safe haven or an environment of abundance. And it's created, I guess, for our entire community, a place that all of us like to go back and, and visit. And so even to this day, whenever um, you know, that friend of mine has a party, you'll often run into people that I haven't seen for 10 or 15 years because they've been overseas or, or whatever. But as soon as she's contacted you, you feel that you are absolutely 100% welcome and that's a safe environment to return to, to, um, to go from a solid base. And so, you know, where did you used to go? What were the attributes that were important to you? And are you creating that for the children that are around you? And, uh, and you know, so when I heard that sentence, I guess, that look at the world through children's eyes, then the number one thing that stood out for me was ensuring that you know how I was brought up was you know fairly disciplined um, it was always um, high expectation around um, you know being more competent than probably what I ever felt that I was at that time and you know that always really encouraged me to be able to um, you know have that maturity that perhaps other friends of mine lacked because I had that huge expectation and that was something that I'm so grateful that I, that I look at now is to say that that expectation that people had of me has given me a very strong belief. Belief that others see in me and I can obviously fake it until I make it or whatever happens internally that I can you know, impress people that want something from me. And so when we're developing, I guess, our rules or our culture for our family, we take from it what are the things that were important to us and we put it into the big mixing pot and we need to come up with, I guess, a set of beliefs or a set of values that we're going to stick to that is going to create that stable base for the children that are going to be around us. And, uh, and these beliefs come in four different stages and, and this is something that um, I learnt from uh, reading a book from Avatar um, now I think the gentleman's name is Harry, I can't remember his surname, but certainly available online. And he talks about the four different levels of beliefs that people have. And, and first level beliefs are fear-based. And so if you grew up in an environment where um, if you misbehaved or you did something, then you were to get in trouble, 
or there is a fear base in there, then often your beliefs around children can be based on that level of belief, such as children are meant to be seen and not heard. Well, yes, that's right, seen and not heard. Um, you know, so certainly a fear-based growing up um, belief system will impact how you are when you're around children. Now, for Kent and I, we had completely different upbringings. I would say polar opposites. And so, you know, for me, all I remember of my house was just that there was, um, the only fear was of getting caught. <laughs> so um, the fear that, you know, um, something would happen and, and I would get caught being naughty or what have you, but I had all these siblings that were there to protect me. And I just remember that that was how I grew up. Um, you, you talk to anybody who grew up in um, a family that was separated and, and they had to create two different identities. One for when they were with their mother and stepfather, one from when they were with their father and stepmother. Two completely different individuals were accepted in two completely different environments. And you start to understand that everybody's upbringing is completely unique. And so you bringing to the table here when you're a couple in business and you're trying to juggle what you want to create out there in the world but what environment that you want to create for perhaps children of your own or children that come into your environment is it one that actually has now co-joined have you actually got a clear vision for what it is that you want to create and that took us a long time how long probably three years maybe four okay to really get to the core issues or the core value sets that were important or integral for how we wanted to build a culture or a base within our business. So it doesn't take much, um, I guess, psychology background to understand that a first child's experience is very different to a second or a third or a fourth child's experience. Okay, so depending on where you are within your um, family, if you're further down the sibling list, then you probably had a much more stable upbringing because the core values and core sets and behaviors had already been negotiated and um, discerned by the time you came along so of course for me being the sixth child it makes absolute no nonsense sense to me that I had probably the easiest run because you know my my first two siblings were probably when my parents were working out the you know what experience they'd had that they brought to the table and you can certainly see that level of ownership amongst that, you know, my, my eldest sister and then my eldest brother and how much responsibility they take for what the other siblings behind them are actually like in their businesses, at home, their contribution. You know, they're a lot more active to make sure that um, there's less upset, that there's more synergy within the relationship huge amount of ownership so depending on you know you might be married to somebody who is a first sibling and you're number four or number three or whatever in the lineup there there's going to be some incredible clashes of value sets around what's important when you're building this foundation for your business and if it's fear-based okay now fear-based beliefs which is you know I just I'm afraid that I'm going to yell at the kids, I'm afraid that they're not going to be themselves, I'm afraid that this, I'm afraid. If fear is coming up, then you're coming from that level one belief. Level two beliefs um, come from common sense. Okay, so it makes sense if you're going to have children around you that you should, um, you know, place the priority on the safety of that child. Okay, so basically don't kill them. 
that is the uh, that's the message that um, you know that that you want to have if you're babysitting children if you're looking after them you know you don't ever want anything to happen when it's your watch that's what I hear when people babysit my kids you know um, I just want contentment and peace on my watch you know so making sure that you know everything is safe and sound and um, you know God forbid if anything happened um, when when you're responsible for those children um, it's important that you are taking full responsibility at that time and understanding consequences because when you're around children they are so impressionable that anything that you do can have massive massive consequences one sentence that you say to a sensitive child one um, look away when they're telling you their proudest moment can impact and imprint on that child forever and uh, and for me it's just being ultra aware that you know if I'm not present and a child's talking to me and I can um, give off that impression that that can actually then mean that you know that child's either intimidated or worried about my opinions until I make that up to them and that is very difficult okay and we all know this and yet by voicing it I think what's important is that we acknowledge again that it's a reminder to say okay how present am I um, when I'm around my kids or the kids or other people's kids okay so the third level is uh, I guess of a belief structure is more the science okay so I was interested in uh, when I did um, child psychology I'd never thought that I would go into child psychology but it was part of my course that I had to do to get credit points to graduate with a double major in psychology and I was fascinated at you know all the science behind um, you know children that had grown up with parents adopted versus um, with siblings and single and you know all the different statistics on how they actually then viewed themselves in the world and there's so much data here on you know children's experiences from um, nature versus nurture uh, there's uh, looking at where children's belief structures come in from zero to two with their identity um, formations from two to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, 21 to 35. Um, matching all of that data then later on when I did some research on actual um, uh, chakras and you know if people have had trauma in certain um, time frames within their life then perhaps they've never actually um, you know got control of their life or they've never moved from you know the id to the ego to the super ego all the stuff that I tell you what you could lose yourself in this research and statistics for years and years uh, the difference between a gestalt type holistic approach to raising children back to a Freudian approach um, is is completely different and for me as I was reading all of the information and all of the data it still came back to me is that you know 100% I need to be responsible for me that when I am around a child I need to give them the experience that they need okay what does that mean it's that that child is the priority and so therefore what what is it that you're needing right now well I need you to play with me why do you need me to play with me because you know that's going to show me love quality time great well then that's what you need so we're going to have quality time what would you like to do you know schedule time with your children to understand what it is that they need um, they might need to be taken to the doctor they might need to be um, put to bed they might need to eat nutritious good food not what do they want what do they need 
And so for me, my child might want to have an ice block for breakfast. Just because they're going to have a temper tantrum every single time doesn't mean that I'm just going to give them ice blocks for breakfast every day. What they need is nutrition and they need an adult who knows the best for those children to be able to give them what it is that they need. And so, you know, very important that, you know, scientific beliefs back all that up, common sense backs that up, and fear of my children's teeth rotting and them not surviving because, you know, they, uh, they don't have a nutritious diet is all evidence to say, you know, what, what do children need and how can we deliver on that need? The, but the fourth level beliefs, and this is what interested me the most, was, was basically standing from wherever I am today taking away all the experiences that I've had as a kid in terms of all that junk that we filed away um, when we didn't feel loved or we didn't feel hugged or we didn't feel appreciated or, or whatever it is that we might have you know put in our filing cabinets in our memory banks in our subconscious locked them in let's get rid of all of that and if we could create for our future um, a place that was safe for the children of the next generation what is it that we would create how would we serve children within our community uh, to the best of our ability? And with all of your willpower and with all of your intention, what is it that you are committed in terms of service to children? And just set yourself um, you know, some clarity around that. And for me, that was very, very easy um, to be able to have clarity around that whole area and to be able to say, who did I want to be in the eyes of my nieces and nephews? Who do I want to be in the eyes of um, you know, my friends' children? Who do I want to be in the eyes of my own children? And so often I think we, we put up this facade for other people's children and then when we're not being watched, we don't have the clarity on what experience we want to give to our own children. And, um, and I'd just encourage you, as, you know, when you define that, when you have quality time based on what your children need, there's fabulous research and books, um, the five love languages for, um, for adolescents, um, for children, for adults. That is five love languages um, uh, are just so essential to understand. And that when you read those books and you actually understand that, you know, I know my mummy loves me because we cook together. I know my lo mummy loves me because she tells me every day. I know my mummy loves me because um, she gives me hugs all the time. These children are communicating that they're either quality time, their words of affirmation or their physical touch. Um, I know my mummy loves me because she buys me a present, you know, every single week. Gift giving. Okay, so you need to understand that your love language and how you receive love is how you receive love. Okay, how your child receives love is what they need. And so we need to adapt and change to be the best that we can be for our children based on what it is that they need. And so if you could define for yourself um, what is it that you want to create into the future and you can decide what that is for you. What does that look like? Does that look like um, you know, some specialised time every single week that you will have one-on-one -on -one for each significant child? Is it that you want to enrol in a community program and you want to buddy up with a child? Is it that you want to sponsor a child in World Vision um, and communicate with them regularly or you just want to pay the money and, and just know that you're doing something good? Um, 
you know, for, for children somewhere on the planet. What does that look like for you in terms of what you would like to, to contribute? Um, you know, every single week um, I have my bestest friend in the whole world, Tracy, come and help me on a Thursday morning um, with the kids and have breakfast and, and get, help get them ready for, for kindy and for, um, for the day ahead um, because Kent is out doing his personal training. That is such a massive contribution from somebody who has, you know, three children in, in four years and they're all young. That time in the morning is one of the most stressful times um, in my week. And so to have somebody come and actually enjoy that process and then make it fun um, just is such a massive contribution. Is that something that you could do? You know, could you look within your community and see a mum that's got, you know, young children and just offer an hour of your time to say, hey, I'll just come and help out. If that means I'll mow your lawn or I'll check your mailbox or I'll do the dishes or I'll pick up your dry cleaning or go to the grocery shop and just ask to help, how much impact could that actually have on the mother, which is going to have a massive impact on the child? And I think if we're all thinking, how can we be of greater service in the community? How can we be of better service to each other and start actually offering then not only are you going to be an example to your children, which is going to imprint them forever, it's actually going to make you feel pretty good. You know, in your relationship, how much are you serving your children, but how much are you serving each of your partners to create the perfect experience? How could you have the perfect Father's Day? And don't wait until the official day in, in the calendar to tell you that it's Father's Day or Mother's Day. What can you do on a monthly basis that could create that perfect relationship because they are things that you can't, you're never going to be able to, um, you know, massively accumulate points in a short period of time when you've made it in business. These are things that need to happen on a, on a regular basis and these are things that you need to be absolutely deliberate, absolutely deliberate about. And, um, you know, for me, I always remember feeling loved when I get home from school where I was having a very challenging um, time and that lasted for four or five years. It wasn't something that was a, a short period of time and I'd walk up the hill and I could see mum sit down with a teapot and two cups of tea with her undivided attention. Um, that is more significant for me than any gift she ever bought me, um, any camp she ever sent me on, any bit of clothing she ever bought for me. It was that undivided quality time which is my love language. So you need to understand for each child there's going to be something that, you know, with that time what was I able to create? Well certainly I, I stayed on a path that wasn't similar to my friends um, and, and went ahead and am able to contribute back to her life in ways that I guess she'd never intended but was certainly, you know, exciting ways for me to be able to show her that I love her now whether that's financially, time-based, you know, whatever that is, um, significance-based, I am indebted because she gave me those, those attributes. So have you actually told that parent what you're grateful for? Have you actually sat down and said thank you to those significant adults that were in your life? Um, maybe this week that would be the perfect opportunity for you to really be of service to um, somebody and make their day. Maybe it's a child that you could make a day. Could you make a, a contribution to um, a child in World Vision? Whatever you can do that basically signifies to yourself you're becoming more empowered, more aligned um, within your relationship around children and you re recognise the fact that 
as you get older there's going to be younger people coming through that are going to be you know needing to be leaders they're going to be need to be empowered um, maybe you could mentor somebody have them in your business um, you know when I had the flight centers there was um, my uh, manager's sister had two teenage boys and in order to get their pocket money they had to do three hours of um, work experience and I used to have them just doing some incredibly simple things that just took huge weight off my my list and yet that for them meant that they you know got some certainty in the world of business that they got positive recognition and they also got their pocket money you know how could you tie what it is that you know for your kids of the experience that they want which is based on <clears throat> what you find of value don't worry about what anyone else says in a level four belief you create the world that you want to create so you know don't worry too much about what from a level one level two or level three what is it that you know if you really connect in of what experience you want to create and then set forth doing that with the right intention and um, what you'll find is as, as you use your talents and gifts to be of service to more people there'll be so much more energy um, to create more abundance for everybody and everything so enjoy that process and I really really look forward to the feeling uh, that you can share back with us as to um, what you were able to do um, for the children not just um, that you might live with but children that live around you and uh, children you're in connection with have a great week